What's up, everybody? This is Early Jackson. I'm E3. And this is The Outliers Show, the new podcast from father and son creative sharing their perspectives on pop culture topics. No, no subject, subject is taboo. So we want to approach something today that um, you may have heard when you were a little kid, uh, depending on when you were exposed to, uh, I guess you can call them biblical characters. Right. But we want to talk about the context of um, taking down Goliath. Yeah. From the, um, you know, the the infamous uh, Bible story of David and David Goliath. And Goliath yeah. But we, we don't even want to come at it from a religious perspective, mm-hmm. but really understanding that Goliath represents the problem, the situation, the calling on your life that you have yet to stand up against. Right. When Three, when do you remember your first thought about knowing who David and Goliath was? I don't remember what age, but I was extremely young. And I had saw a cartoon movie about it. I think I don't know if I was at children's church or I was just. I think I don't know if I was at home or at children's church, honestly. But I remember seeing that movie about it, and I remember how it made me feel in that moment because he was this small dude, probably around my maybe my my or your height, yours or my height. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fighting a giant. Well, he was what ten feet tall. Well, there, there's a couple of biblical accounts, um, and scholars and, and archaeologists from um, uh, the understanding of that tribe of giants. They mm-hmm. said he was between nine and eleven feet tall, somewhere okay. in there. It, it, I mean, it, it really depends on what commentator you listen to, right? You know, but he was a big dude. Yeah. So. Big, Big and he, it wasn't just like he was tall, he was a warrior. He was a warrior, a trained warrior, yeah. skilled warrior. Right. So he knew what he was doing when it when it came to battle. Mm-hmm. He was this small sheep herder. David was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at the story of David, he was trained all his life to fight without even knowing it. Right. Because he would, he um, he had to protect his sheep. He had to right. protect the flock. He fought against a lion, uh, probably some wolves who came in. Bear. A bear, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for that, he was he he was a little nervous. He was nervous about it. You sitting there and the army that you're supposed to be helping is scared. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where they don't even want to step on the battlefield because of this dude. Right. And now you're being you're being told you that's that's your des- that's that's what you're here for. You're here to fight him. And your kid. A kid. And your kid. Um who technically doesn't have the the warrior training that Goliath had. Nope. So so for the people that have are really gonna I think benefit from this particular episode of the podcast are people who feel ill equipped to handle the situation in front of them. Right. Uh you're a small firm and you're in a you're in a sea of of, of sharks that have, inf, you know, um, uh, infinite uh, bank accounts. They've got marketing budgets. Your budget is thirty two dollars, and what you can do on Instagram, right? But that doesn't matter because taking down Goliath has less to do about Goliath and more to do about David realizing what he has. Right. In, in fact, I believe personally that being David against the Goliath gives you a, a strategic advantage. Yeah. And, and here's what I mean by that. 
you're quicker, you're agile, mm-hmm. you can adjust, you can maneuver, right. um, you don't have all the red tape or all of the bureaucracy, mm-hmm. and you can make your moves real quick. And real subtle, because sometimes, most of the times when you're the David in the situation, nobody's really going to pay attention to you. You're underestimated. God, I love being underestimated. It's the best thing in the world. Because people say, oh, that's just early. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize you you sleeping on me, but I'm about to creep up behind you and boom, right. I can overtake you. Right. So let's start. Let's let's throw the first punch with this. What does it really take to overcome major problems? What do you think? What, what are a couple of things just right off the top of your head before we even get into the, the logistics of David and Goliath situation? What are a couple of things that you think that it takes to overcome major problems? Having heart would definitely be the first one. Mm. Being able to stand on your own two feet and realize that if I put my all into this, Mm -hmm. I can get this done. Mm. And knowing that you, you're going to, you're going to fail. Say that again. You're going to what? You're going to fail. So failure isn't a surprise. It's actually a part of the process. Yes. It's not something to be, it, failure doesn't feel good. It never does. Mm -hmm. But the more you fail, the more you know what to do. Hmm. When I was in sales, my my manager used to tell me, get through the no's so you can get to the yes. Right. He said, for every call you make, your first 10 calls are going to be no. Right. But most people give up after the ninth call. Mm-hmm. If you can get through that 10th no, somebody is going to say yes. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you willing to play the numbers game long enough? Or are you going to set yourself on a, um, a stringent limitation where you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And just being being able to take those failures on the chin mm. and move forward. Because I failed, but even in my moments of feeling down, I had you guys to talk to and realize that, all right, I'm down, but the only place I can go from here mm-hmm. is up. <laughs> I used to have a homie in Philly uh, we were both launching our businesses about the same time. And he would call me excited. And I'm thinking he's about to tell me some good news. He was like, guess who just said no to me? And I was like, what? He was like, yo, it was this company. They turned me down. My nose are getting better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? He was like, man, if I'm getting these kind of no's, that means I'm in the right room. Right. So eventually, and, and that was a revolutionary thought process to me, that your when the quality of your no gets better, when NBC, when OWN, when Oprah Winfrey, when Tyler Perry start telling you no, yeah. that means your name is in the conversation with some very powerful people. Yep. They're thinking about you. And if you can if you can weather those storms, like you said, heart to me, I think is the is the missing link to success now. Right. Because let's just deal with it. Instagram, social media has made it look so glamorous. To pursue your dreams. Because we're seeing a highlight reel. We're not seeing the low moments at all. Exactly. I found an old commercial that, that um, Michael Jordan did. Um, year. I mean, before he yeah, retired. I remember you sent me it. Yeah, so it, it was, um, for those of you that don't remember, it was maybe I messed up the game. And what he's saying is maybe I made it look like, you know, success came easy for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, maybe I made it look like my talent was God-given and I didn't earn it through time in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was 
a, a, a game winner. Exactly. Maybe I made it look like I was, you know, this, that, and the other. And he said, or maybe you're just making excuses as to why you can't get it done. Best, I don't care what y'all saying. Don't at me. Best athletic commercial in history. First of all, it's the GOAT. It's Michael Jordan. Of course. But, I mean, he's talking to these young players. He was like, maybe I made it look too easy for you. Or maybe you're just making excuses. Right. You got to ask yourself, where's your heart? You got to do a heart check right now in the middle of this podcast. Pause it for a second and ask yourself, am I even really ready to pursue my dreams? Am I willing to pay whatever cost it takes? Which brings us to the second thing. When we're talking about overtaking Goliath and, and, and handling the biggest problems in your life. What's your mentality like? Mm. Do you have that? Is your mentality that of a nine to five worker or Kobe Bryant? Oh, oh, there's two. Those are two different sides of the spectrum. And two different animals. Yeah. Black Mamba versus a guinea pig. A guinea pig. <laughs> so are you a black mamba or are you a guinea pig? Because a guinea pig is comfortable living in that same environment. Right. They like the little treadmill thing. Mm-hmm. They run on that joint. But when you if, if, if you see a snake, they're not always in the same place that they were. Mm. They're always going somewhere. I think that's a natural progression. We can't talk about Michael without and talking I, about Kobe. Who, who, if you watch their highlight reels t- together... Mm-hmm. He does the exact same thing Mike does. On purpose. On purpose. And and here's here's the thing, folks. I think you are putting way too much confidence and comfort in your own talent. Mm -hmm. Talent is a trap. Work ethic is where it's at. Right. Because you can have all the talent in the world, but if your work ethic is garbage, you're not going anywhere. You're You're going to be be stuck in your hometown Mm -hmm. with everybody knowing you for your talent. (laughs) So we, we look at people like the um, Michael Jacksons, the Beyonce Knowles, the Carters. Um, <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot her name because, you know, I'm a little... Anyway, my, my dream of marrying Beyonce was when I married Cherise. But, you know, anyway, long story short. Um, who, who else? Uh, the Kobe Bryants, the... Kendrick Lamars, the, the Kendrick Coles. The um, Usain, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Usain Bolt. Usain. Um, they, I, and it almost looks like what they got was by accident. It wasn't. When you understand that this is a very calculated, strategic approach to life, that so much I was watching an interview with Kobe, and I like the fact that since Kobe's retired, he's giving interviews now and talking more about yeah. his process. And and, and it, it kind of unveils the mystique of who he was. Mm-hmm. But he said that, um, well, you remember, what was his schedule like, his daily schedule? He woke up at 5 a.m., mm-hmm go for a run, then practice for two hours. And after he practiced for two hours, then he would eat mm-hmm. for, I think it was either 30 minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. But after he ate breakfast, he would go back for another practice. Mm-hmm. Two hours. Two, maybe three, I think it was. And then after that, go back for lunch. And then the rest of the evening, he would practice until dinner time. Mm-hmm. Dinner time came, he would eat, then go out for another practice. Then come home and go to sleep. And then he watched film in between all that. Yeah. And somebody asked him, when is your off season? And he said, for a champion, there is no off season. Yeah. And I hear people, I hear y'all out there. You, oh, that's, obs- that's, that's just, that's obsessive early. That's just too much. I mean, life is meant to have fun. But how bad do you want it? 
Exactly. You can, I mean, and it's up to you. Nobody's saying you have to be Kobe. Yeah. Nobody's saying you have to. I'm sure that your Goliath will will make a concession with you and and you can live peaceably under his rule. Because if you remember in in the Old Testament, the deal was Goliath said, you can can live here, Mm -hmm. but my people will rule over you. Yeah. So if you can settle, then you can you can live under the tyranny and the rulership of, you can of live Goliath. A comfortable life. Yep. But if you want to be successful, it not just successful. If you want your name mentioned among the greats, yep. You got to have an insane, obsessive, vulgar work ethic. Yeah. To the point where you got to ask yourself, am I putting out the best quality that I can? Sometimes when you come home, and for the many of you that, that listen to our podcast and follow us, you know that E3 is a musician. His um, EP is coming out here in a few weeks. Uh, he's putting the finishing touches on a yeah. few few different tracks and masterings and whatnot. Yes. But there are times when you come in and you play a track, and me and mom sit there and go, okay, we dig it, but I'm looking at your face, and I'm saying, did you do your best with that? Yeah. What does that mean? Did I give, get, did I give it my all? Mm-hmm. Did I really... Pour my who I am into the music, and that's what I've been. That's what I've been focused on doing mm-hmm. when I like when I really got into making music, because I don't want to just make music for um for the money. I'd rather make music because that's what that's who that's something that I feel. That's something that I I like to do, and when I make music, I want it to be a representation of me, and I want people to understand. I want I want people to be able to understand me when is they there, hear my is, music. Is there a difference between just making something and putting your heart into it? Yes. How do you know the difference? You are gonna feel the difference. Nobody else will understand will will realize it except you. Okay. Cause I've made I've made music before, but it wasn't I didn't put myself into it. I was just reciting something that somebody had helped me write. Okay. But when I started writing for myself and and doing this for myself, mm-hmm. I was able to put my emotions into it. I was able to put a real feeling behind it. You, you know, as a speaker and a writer myself, I've done talks. I've, I've put out, you know, had publications that have hit, you know, national, you know, um, outlets. Mm-hmm. And I've had people call me and say, man, that was crazy. I enjoyed that article, da, da, da. And in my mind, I knew I phoned it in. Mm-hmm. I knew I hadn't put my 100% in. In fact, it was a rush job because I had I had kind of jerked around. And then at the last minute before the deadline, I threw something together. And this is where talent is a deception. Because I am, I've worked long enough in a particular vocation where I'm talented in it. Right. And I would just do it without any passion. And right. to the average person... They would go, oh, man, that was crazy. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> but to the person I live with, my wife, she would go, that was good. Mm-hmm. And you can hear the, the the invariable but in there. But I know that wasn't your best. Yeah. And should you be satisfied with, with just that? No. Why not? Especially if that's something you're driven for and something you want to do with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Why would you settle for the bare minimum? We've had talks about me just putting the bare minimum out. Mm-hmm. And I've had to take a hard look at myself and really, like, before I, before I decided to finish up this EP, I had to look at myself, like, is this something I really want to do? Mm. Because 
if this is something I just say I want to do, but I'm not passionate about, why am I wasting my time, my parents' time, the people around me who are willing to put, who are willing to put money and time into this to help me? Mm. It's disrespectful. Very disrespectful. If you're not gonna put your all into it, and 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 you're gonna tell people you're Kobe, <laughs> and you're not gonna do the work ethic of Kobe, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Just just go ahead and make a concession with Goliath. And figure out what he's going to let you live with. And just accept that and go ahead and live comfortably. Yeah. You can't say you're Kobe, but constantly be that be that old head on the park who plays there every single day. Mm-hmm. And all they got is a bunch of stories. Yeah. About what they could have, should have, would have been. Well, if my if I ain't tear my ACL. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Back in my day. Stop. Stop. It ain't back in your day. We're talking about today. Yeah. So you said... Um, one was heart. Yeah. Two was um, uh, like a really insane work ethic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in there, you need a tribe. Okay. If you're going to take down Goliath, um, now this is venturing off. This is theological liberties that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. But imagine the people in David's life that had told him he was something. That right. he was somebody, you know, special and, and, and empowered and, and, and he could do anything. Right. That's your tribe. And I, I, I mean, I coach people and they say, I just need to do, and I tell them, you need accountability and you need, you need a tribe. Mm-hmm. You need a tribe because you need the right people in your life that have the skill sets that you don't have. Mm, I like that. So what we tend to do based on comfort is we surround ourselves with people just like us. Right. Have our same strengths and invariably have our same, same weaknesses. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that's why I like the one verse, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. I'll, I'll go even more plainer than that. The Justice League with the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. So you got Superman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Hawkeye. You got all these different people. Hawkeye is uh, Marvel. Haw- Hawkman. Yeah. Hawkman was about. from Justice League with yeah. the Wings or whatever. But all of them, I mean, excluding Superman, he had all of this stuff. Yeah. But he was still weak with Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. You've got all Batman. I always wondered why was he considered a superhero? He didn't have no super strength. He just had very vast intelligence. Yeah. So you need people in your life. You need a a justice league of people around you that possess the skill sets that you don't have. Mm -hmm. So my strengths cover your weaknesses and vice Vice versa. versa, Yeah. So if everybody in your everybody in your circle is passionate but lazy, you screwed. Because you're all just going to be lazy. Yep. We should go to the studio. Yeah, we should. Let's go right after we, you know, have another drink. Yeah. Or watch this another episode of Martin. You need people in your life who who may not be as strong as you are in the the one particular aspects, but they have um, insane work ethic. They or they've got punctuality. They've got this. They've yeah. got this. So, and and I think we don't like to surround ourselves with people different from us because of our own personal insecurities. Because mm-hmm. then that'll make us feel like we're doing something wrong or we're living subpar compared to them. Exactly. Exactly. But when you surround you, when your tribe is is diverse, and this is a kind of a a, a funny you know time in America where everybody's watchword is diversity. We our company has diversity. Just because you have people that look different doesn't mean they have different skill sets. Right. Diversity means I am okay with you being better at something than I am. Yeah. And I embrace that because I know that together we can do anything. So much so, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to say, if you want to go fast, 
what he used to say, if you want to win games, be talented. If you want to win championships, be on a team. Mm, I like that. So, I mean, it, and I hate to, you know, pull him out of the hat, but Allen Iverson. In Crane, in, excuse me, insane personal stats. In Crane? In Crane, right. <laughs> insane personal stats. But his team stats? Whack. Horrible. Whack. Because he knew, he knew he was like an all-star. Mm-hmm. Before he was an all-star. He knew it. Mm-hmm. And he let that get to his head. Remember, practice. You talking about practice, not a game, but practice. Now, now think about how crazy that statement was. When he said that about practice at the at the press conference, he didn't even take into account that practice is never about you. It's about the team getting better. It's about me learning how to play with you so I know where you're going to run. But if we don't practice, you're just going to keep getting the ball. I have no idea where to look for you. Right. But when you talk about the San Antonio Spurs, the Toronto Raptors, yeah. who should not have won the championship, Mm-mm. they couldn't. They, they weren't supposed to beat Golden State. But they did. Why? Their insane work ethic, the way they practice off the field, their team chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't care. You can do flashy passes, alley-oops, dunks, all, do all that. But if y'all can't work together as a team, exactly, you won't make it to the playoffs. Intrinsically, they knew where Kawhi was going to be. Mm-hmm. He knew where his, see, when we practice together and we, we really are a tribe, I know your sweet spots. Yeah. I know you need it at the elbow. I know you, the other person needs it at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. I know you a down baseline guy. Yeah, yeah, So when I know that, when something happens and we break off running, I ain't even got to think about it. I automatically toss it that way because I know you're going to be there. Yeah. Because you've proven yourself. Mm-hmm. But most people can't do that because not only do they not have a tribe, they don't even have a plan. They don't. And they're just going in blindfolded. Right. <laughs> what, what people don't realize is David was so cold in his plan that he told his brothers he was going to cut the head off of Goliath. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what people miss. David did not own a sword. Nope. He knew Goliath owned the sword. Yep. And he figured if I can get close enough to him, I'll take what he has and use it against him. Yeah. So when you've got a plan, that means you've thought about the ins and outs. You've made plan A, B, C, and D. And that's not a, 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 a an indictment against your faith or to say, oh, you didn't believe it was going to work. No, I do believe it's going to work. But I also believe that I have to have my plan layered. Right. Because you don't just want to go in, regardless of if you had a revelation from God that it was going to turn out this way, mm-hmm. things can also shift. They can shift. And it's a more likely likelihood will. That, yeah. <laughs> so why go in with one set plan of attack and then be just uh, concerned or in shock when it doesn't happen? Right. Instead of going in with one plan of attack, but having backup routes in case something happens. And, just and like I- in football. You don't have just one receiver running a single route. You mm-hmm. have multiple receivers running different routes. So in case... In case your main receiver is open, you have a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And if he's, if the main receiver is covered, like heavy coverage, because they know you're going to throw to him, but nobody's covering your slot receiver, you you can do a fake pass, but you're still going to go to that that option that's open for you. Um, in, in football, they call that quarterback progressions. Mm-hmm. And that's why Tom Brady has the all-time highest QB rating mm-hmm. ever. 
Because if you watch any film on on, on um, Brady, his head is going boom, boom, boom. He's right. got he's got three progressions in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And how he does it, I've, I was never a good football player, but how he does that is amazing to me. But that's just it. Just goes to having a plan. He sits there, he rehearses it. He's the Kobe Bryant of football. Right. Insane work ethic. Right. And don't even come to New England. Don't come over there. That's why AB couldn't. Don't come over here with no foolishness. Nope. If you come over here, we study over here. We we go hard over here. We watch film on everybody. And I and I think that um, just kind of rounding this out, if you're gonna take down your Goliath, and you haven't accepted the fact that it's gonna cost you your time and it's gonna cost you your work ethic, you ain't ready. Yeah. And I think another good good key to take it down your Goliath, study your opponent. That's the plan. That's where the plan comes in. Um, understanding, um, and we've talked about this, reverse engineering your situation. Okay, if I'm trying to do X, mm-hmm. what could go wrong? And let's plan for what could go wrong now. Oh, I don't want to think negatively. That's crazy. You better think about it. You need to look at this from every different progression and opportunity right. and option so that when the inevitable happens, you're not thrown off balance. Yeah. You're not caught in the middle of a, of a storm. Exactly. Without shelter. So, end of the story, David takes out Goliath, cuts his head off, becomes the king of Israel. You know, everybody's excited. And it looks like, on the surface, David just got a miracle. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize is that I believe wholeheartedly that God blesses our efforts. Yeah. But if you don't have an effort, there's nothing to bless. Nothing at all. So, again, this is Early Jackson. I'm E3. And this is The Outlier Show. It's the new podcast from Father and Son Creative, sharing their perspectives on pop culture topics. No, no subject, subject is taboo. taboo. Peace. Holla.